Welcome to the show where we uncover the blueprint of success and the business tools you need to achieve the American dream. Helping people turn passion and dreams into money-making machines. This is Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Now, here's Chase. What's going on, Jackson? It's finally Friday. We've made it to the weekend. You heard the man. My name's Chase Channel, and you're listening to Strictly Business. We're going to talk all things business for the next few hours. So I hope you got your mind right and your heart right, and you're ready to learn something today because I've got an action-packed lineup. And I think one of the most important things is to really let everyone understand what I go through so that you can share my mental journey and the same hurdles that I go through in business every day. And one of those is I'm actually have an upcoming trip where I'm going to be going to California, to uh, Malibu, for a vegan retreat. Yes, I said the V word. Now, some of you are probably thinking to yourselves, what's vegan? Some of you might be vegan, and the rest of you might just not know what vegan really means. So first things first, let me break down vegan for you. It's pretty simple. Anything that comes from animals. Okay, so no milk, no uh, no dairy products, um, no chicken, no tuna, no fish. You don't get anything good. It's basically a completely plant-based diet. Now, I'm not saying that I'm basically going to be a three-week vegan, and I'm going to share that with, with you all over the next few weeks because in my preparation for this, when I get there, this is kind of like fat camp. I'm being sent there to lose weight, and while I'm there, it's vegan. So one of the things I'm preparing myself for is is that I'm going to have to be on a vegan diet while I'm there. While you're there, they make you hike um, 14 miles a day through the Santa Monica Mountains. Uh, and just to give everyone an idea, I'm 6'4". I weigh 392 pounds as of this morning. That's down from about 450. At one point in my life, I was actually overweight like I am now, and I'd lost down to where I got down to about 210 pounds was probably about the lightest that I'd ever been. So in my journey back to fitness, and some of you listening may be overweight, and you're thinking, hey, man, this want to hear what he's got to say because I've done it once, I'm doing it again, and I'm down right now about 60 pounds. And within these next three weeks, I would say I'll be down another 40 pounds because these are going to be really, really extreme. Now, a lot of you probably have problems with your metabolism, I hear a lot of times, or I've just got bad genetics, or whatever the case may be. I worked with one of the fattest people ever. He worked for me for years, and he would always say, uh, man, I just eat like a bird. I'm like, what kind of bird? Like a prehistoric uh, dinosaur bird? Because I've never seen somebody eat as much as you. But in his mind, he actually believed he didn't need a whole lot. So some of us just lie to ourselves. <clears throat> some of us, like me, I think I'm a little bit more realistic. I realize that I'm overweight because I drink too much alcohol. I, drink, I eat too unhealthy of meals, and I don't exercise. So those are components for being overweight. The good news is, is I'm usually extremely bad or extremely good. And in today's show, we're going to talk about health, the human body, we're going to talk about the power of the mind and how all these things kind of transform and talk about relating them to business. Because some people have said to me, they said, Chase, you've been pretty successful in business, yet 
you've struggled with this. And I think struggle's relative because to me, I haven't struggled. It's a choice. And that's something that uh, I think everyone can relate to. We decide ourselves, are we going to do something different? Are we going to stay the course? And what does it really mean? So we're going to talk about how to tie that into business. In the first hour, is going to be all about our health. And then in the second hour, I'm going to have a special guest, Mr. Harvey Boyd, who is the owner of the Comedy Club here in Jackson. He's also one of my longtime heroes because he's an old-time broadcast guy. He's been in radio since he was uh, very, very young. We're going to get his whole story and background, talk to Harvey. He's going to give me some tips on how to do a better job on this show for everyone. But uh, the main thing I want to cover is, is we're going to talk about, so the place that I'm going in California, it's in Malibu, and it's called The Ranch Malibu. If you want to look it up, they have an Instagram page. You can follow them along at The Ranch Malibu, uh, or you can check them out online at theranchmalibu.com. Now, they're said to be one of the top luxury boot camps in the world. So I, I go on over to their uh, Instagram page thinking, I'm going to check this thing out. Well, when I get there, I don't see anybody fat. So I'm like, wait a second. This is some fat camp for skinny people. I mean, this really isn't for me. But in a, as looking further, I realize that there's a lot of these Hollywood celebrities that go there to lose a few pounds for maybe a movie they're going to be on or for whatever reason because – it's an unplugging experience. No cell phones. You're in the mountains. A lot of meditation and yoga, things I've never done in my life. So I've never been a vegan. I've never meditated. I've never done any yoga. And on top of all that, I got to hike 14 miles a day. Looks like uh, we got some texts rolling in, so we're going to get to those. Uh, if you want to get in on the action, you can text in at 731 uh, that's the number to call, I'm sorry, the text line 731-215-0158, or you can head on over to facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, and you can post your comments up. If you hear the show on one of the replays, or you catch the show maybe on the podcast or on iHeartRadio later on in the week, you can always go over to the Facebook page, drop a question on there, or shoot me a message. Anything you want to hear about on the air, we'll cover it. So, Anything, literally. You want to hear about your health, ment I mean, any business decisions, life decisions, marriage decisions, you name it. Because the one thing I want everyone just to take a moment and really think about is, is how health, relationships, body, mind, spirit, and everything, it all matters in business. And when you look at it and you say, okay, let's say that my business, I'm doing really good, but my home life's falling apart. Is that really good for my business? Probably not. So the reason that we're talking about health today is because it's a really important part. My dad used to always say, well, if you make all the money in the world, if you're not around to enjoy it, it's not going to really matter. And I think that's a great point. So, you know, I'm making the decision to get healthy. Lucky for me, time's on my side. I'm 31, so I can still burn some calories. This morning, I actually got up and did a three-mile run walk. It took me 55 minutes. So some of you, that's probably a slow walk. And to some of you, you're probably thinking, there's no way I could ever do three miles. But I did three miles. I'm going to try to do three more miles this evening because I've got to work myself up to 14 miles a day of hiking at high elevations in these mountains, and I'm going to do it. Now, the ranch, and uh, just a kind of little backstory, is for me, the vegan part is very, very difficult because I've eaten meat in every meal. If it's a salad, it's I like the chicken on it. If it's chili, 
I like the, the beef in it. Whatever it is, I enjoy the meat. I'm a meat eater, always have been. So this has been really, really difficult for me. I've had to, at restaurants, which I've found embarrassing, I'm not afraid to say that, and some vegans out there, I know they feel like it's empowering, but me, I'm kind of doing this because I'm forced into it, not because it's something I exactly want to do. So when I go to the restaurant, I say, well, yeah, I'm vegan. And, and one of the reasons it's most embarrassing is I'm thinking to myself, they got to be like, who are you kidding? Some 400-pound guy out there is talking about how he's vegan. So for me, that aspect of it's embarrassing. But I'm like, you know what? I've got to do what I've got to do because I don't want to get there. No preparation and being vegan. All this exercise with, without being able to sustain that energy so it's forced me to be like, hey, listen, even at a restaurant, I'm vegan. What are the options that we have? Well, can you make it this way or that way? Um, but it's really made me think about food. The other thing is that I found is it, it opens up a conversation for food. Now, I want to just run you through my diet before being vegan, okay? I would wake up in the morning and usually eat whatever fast food, maybe uh, uh, any fast food chain, sausage, egg and cheese biscuit or croissant or whatever. I mean, and every day when I get to work, somebody's running to get one of them. So they're like, hey, do you want one? Yeah, get me one. I put lots of mustard on it. I eat that. I drink a Diet Coke with it. And then I go till lunchtime. At lunchtime, I usually decide on a sandwich. Now, if being healthy, my sandwich would consist of like a Subway or Lenny's or some type of sub, Firehouse, one of those. And I get the largest one. I don't get like the steak or the meatball. I try to get like the, the ones that maybe like a club or something that's a little bit better. But ultimately, those aren't that good for you either. A lot of processed meats. I usually put mayonnaise on it, which isn't good. But I just want you to understand the way my diet was before. Now, after that, and one thing I do not do, and I've never done this, I don't eat junk food. You'll never see me like eating Snickers or picking up candy. I'm the fattest person on the planet that doesn't eat sweets. But I would go from lunchtime, and I wouldn't eat again until probably around 10 o'clock at night. Get home from work, have a glass of bourbon or 20, order a pizza or three, and I would eat all the pizza, maybe two pizzas, some wings, some cheese sticks. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm in a food coma, I'd go in, pass out, and go to sleep. Now, I would also do about 1,300 steps in a day's time total. That's like the total amount that I'm working. So there's a direct recipe for why I'm overweight. Now, this morning, so far today, I woke up and did 3,000 or uh, three miles, which was 6,700 steps so far. And then once I did the, the, the steps, I, um, I went ahead and, and got some, I didn't do any breakfast, which I know you're supposed to, but after the breakfast, I went ahead and got an early lunch, and Taco Bell actually has a couple vegan things. So I, I hadn't tried them, so I sent one of my guys over, and I said, grab me. They call it the veggie burrito, and you have to get it fresco style, which basically means the cheese and the sour cream, the stuff that makes it taste good, is replaced with guacamole. Now, I do not personally like guacamole. I don't like avocados. It's just people used to complain that Chipotle charged extra, and I thought, who in their right mind would ever buy it to begin with? However, there's the disclaimer, and uh, that's gotten me here till about 1 o'clock, and in this much time, I've drank so far about 54 ounces of water for the day. So drastic difference 
in diet uh, from one to the other, but it's because I'm preparing for this deal, and I realize when I get there, I mean, I'm not showing up. It's expensive, and I'm there for a reason, to make a change in my life. And part of those change, and we're going to talk about those changes throughout the show today, because I've been through it more than once. And I'm going to talk about the last time I lost weight. I'm going to talk about the time where I gained weight back and what it's like to be mentally tough. Because the one thing I've always maintained in my life is I have a lot of, of mental toughness. The problem is my decision-making always hasn't been great. And I think we have a way of rationalizing poor decisions because we think, well, it's my decision still. So I'm, I'm kind of justified in having it. But um, just to give you an idea, we're going we're gonna to take a short break. I'm going to give you a quick trivia question. I want you to think about this because a lot of people who are vegan are vegan for ethic, ethical reasons, and I'm not. So I'm, and like I said, I'm not a long-term vegan, but I'm going to go down this journey, and I, I obviously have a lot of respect for everyone out there who is vegan because I think it's incredible the sacrifices that they make. But um, how many here's – the, here's the question. So think about this. When we come back from the break, I'm going to give you the answer. How many animals are killed every hour for meat in the U.S. daily? I'm going to re repeat it again and give you a couple uh, – multiple choice. How many animals are killed every hour for meat in the U.S. daily? 50,000, 100,000, or 500,000 animals killed every hour for meat in the U.S. daily? We'll give you the answer when we come back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 93.1 WTJS, the talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. The Victory Honda Upgrade event is on, and now is the best time to trade in your vehicle at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. We need your trade and we'll pay you top dollar. Go to VictoryHondaJackson.com and click on the Honda Upgrade Program button to value your trade in seconds. Print it out, bring it in, and we'll give you 125% of that value guaranteed. That's right, get 125% of the book value for your trade-in. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 125% of the book value for your trade. Don't miss the best time to trade in your vehicle during the Victory Honda Upgrade event going on now at Victory Honda. With approved credit, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify, plus tax, title, license, and 499 dealer fee. 125% of black book wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to clean car facts reports. Offer does not combine. See dealer for complete details. Of Renz 52318. You're listening to the Talk of Jackson. For the hottest shows in the Hub City, keep it locked right here on 93.1 WTJS.
We're back. That was ACDC Money Talks, one of my favorite songs. I kick kick off uh, the show every week on the first break playing that song because I just think it's fantastic. A, it talks about money, but B, it's ACDC and it doesn't get much better than that. Now, uh, we had a trivia question before the break. We were talking about my three-week journey as a vegan. I'm heading out to the ranch in Malibu, California uh, to lose some weight, so hopefully I'll be skinny next time and the good news for all you listeners is, is I won't be as breathy. So you'll be like, man, what a much nicer listening experience. He's now in shape, so we don't have to hear him breathe. But um, the answer, here's the question. It was how many animals are killed every hour for meat in the U.S. daily? The options were 50,000, 100,000, or 500,000 animals killed every hour for meat in the U.S. daily. The answer is 500,000. Now, that kind of brings me to the point of the ethics vegans. A lot of vegans out there are vegan because more than just the health benefits, but a lot of it is raising awareness for the amount of animals who, that are killed daily. Personally, I'm, I'm not an ethics vegan. I have no problem with eating meat. I have no problem with uh, killing of animals. Obviously, I don't think any of us like to think about animals being treated uh, cruel or unfair and sometimes out of sight out of mind they say well you know these slaughterhouses and the way they um the way they do and i actually uh, harvey uh who's going to be joining us soon he's i believe vegan right now i don't think for a long time but he he started the vegan journey i believe because of the netflix there's like a little documentary on netflix about uh, the food industry and it's kind of opened up a lot of eyes to uh to, to just being vegan and also exposing the, the food industry and how horrible they treat animals. I mean, and there's a lot of jokes out there. You'll hear people talk about, you know, and, and there's so much misinformation. They'll say, well, free range chickens. Then I talked to a guy who's a chicken farmer and he says, oh yeah, they just run around the pen outside the other ones we kill. So a lot of times I think there's misinformation, you know, from that standpoint. But um, I was listening to one of my favorite people for daily motivation. And if you, if you don't follow him, you should. He's a Navy SEAL. His name's Jocko Willink. And Jocko's famous for posting a picture of his uh, his watch. He has a Timex Iron Man watch. Every morning when he wakes up, he posts a picture of it. And just to give you an idea, it's basically 4.30 to 4.33 every morning that he wakes up. Sometimes it's 3.30. And he'll usually have a little inspirational thing, you know, right right below it. But I was watching him talk about, he has his own podcast, and it talks about mostly war and killing and a lot of things like that. But you know, obviously Navy SEALs are mentally tough, and that's what we're talking about today is how to become mentally tough in business and with our health, because health, health, your health is part of business. But um, he was just talking about mental toughness, and there's a lot of great quotes, but I just love the fact that every morning at 4.30 he wakes up, puts a picture of his watch. And, I mean, I, I literally, if you pull up his Instagram, just type in uh, Jocko, it's J-O-C-K-O, I think his last name's W-I-L-L-I-N-K. I might have that wrong, but I know the first name. If you just type Jocko, you'll find it, and you'll see the Timex for like literally almost every photo that he posts. But um, you know, we're talking about and just thinking about how do we maintain that mental focus in business with our health, religion, family, friends, because you know, we might have it going on with our business. We might have it going on with our health. And then we might be lacking in other places, maybe spiritually or with our family or friends or 
maybe we're having issues with home with our spouse. So it's like, how do we tie all these things together? A friend of mine, um, Mr. John Ebert, he owns 41 McDonald's through West Virginia, Maryland, and I believe part of Southern Pennsylvania. But John, he's a total brain. He's a Notre Dame grad. He played baseball for Notre Dame, and he has a TED Talk, which you can find on YouTube. If you go to YouTube.com, you can just type in John, J-O-H-N, Ebert, E-B-E-R-T, and you'll see the TED Talk he did for West Virginia University. And in that, he talked about um, John's very, very fit. And he and I have been friends uh, for many years. I became best best buds with his uh, younger brother, who also owns a McDonald's. Met John through him. And uh, one of the things that always impressed me about John was is how physically fit he was. And he talks about that in his TED Talk, and he talks about mental toughness. And he, he said he was doing – he won the Stonewall Jackson uh, Triathlon – and he was talking about um, when he came out of the water, I think he said they were going, getting ready to run or coming off the bike and getting ready to run. I don't know what order they do that in, but he said one of the guys that he like, was at the top of the pack with him said, are you a good runner? And he said, well, I'm, not, you know, I'm, I'm a fair runner. John's a great runner. He runs every single day, but he's also a modest guy. And he said he, his watch wasn't working like that he uses to clock himself. And he's, John's got to be probably early 50s, but he said it um, – he ran his first sub seven minute mile that he's ran and he didn't know how long, but he said the whole time he's running, he has a little saying he says to himself, which is, I feel good. I feel fine. I feel this way all the time. And I love that because it just really shows you how important having that conversation with your brain is. And a lot of people think that people who run, they go, well, they're just crazy or they think that it like it's easy for them or in all things in life, whether it's business or physical, it all comes down to negotiating with yourself mentally. Because we all want to quit. We all know it hurts. We all know that sometimes when you're pushing yourself, you're going, man, I don't know if I can get through this. But some of us give in and some of us say, hey, you know what, I'm going to, and we have this conversation with ourselves mentally, where we say, you know what, I'm going to manage the pain. I'm going to deal with the pain because I know that I can. It's just my brain telling me, hey, this hurts. But if I push through, I know I can get through it. So he talks about that. Now, I've always been a big runner. And part of uh, when I say big runner, I don't mean fat and running. I mean, I used to run a lot. But when I ran a lot, it was because I was trying to lose weight. And it, the most I ever got up to running was maybe I would say a consistent close to two hours per day. And it was at a time where when I wanted to lose weight, I'd say, if you think you might want to drink, or you have any energy and those thoughts come up, just get up and go run. And that's what I did. But um, in running, it's all about the mental toughness. And I've never enjoyed running. I always say I enjoy it when I'm done because when it's over with, you're like, hey, man, I feel good. This That run went well or whatever the case may be. But a lot of it is is negotiating with yourself and just saying I'm just going to go a little bit further. We had little chase on uh, – few weeks back and he was talking about not doing drugs and he said for me he says I just tell myself I'm not going to do it for the next 60 seconds then once that comes I'm not going to do it for the next maybe 10 minutes the next hour and just breaking it out into that and with running that's how I always managed it was I'd say well just you've come this far just go an extra to that pole ahead and then once I get there I said well you made it there and you're still going why don't you just keep going up there so it's all about pushing yourself and one of the things I found most fascinating in life is reading about ultra marathon runners. And the reason I found it fascinating is because I realized that they're really out to punish themselves 
on a whole nother sicko level than I am. And these guys, so everyone knows, if, you, if you're not a marathoner or you're not a runner, an ultra marathon is just any distance that you run over 26.2 miles. So a marathon's 26.2 miles that you run. And it, there's races out there that are further than that. They have like 35-mile races, what they call 50Ks. They have actually 50-mile races. Then there's some really, really extreme ones like uh, the Western States 100, which is a 100-mile race. And then there's the Badwater Ultra Marathon, which I think is around 130 miles. I think it was 116, then it went to around 130. That's from the bottom of Death Valley to the top of Mount Whitney. But there's And there's actually one in uh, the state of Tennessee. I can't remember the name of it. It'll come to me. But um, there was a documentary on it, which is considered to be the toughest race, uh, one of the toughest races in the world, and it's one of the most exclusive. It's called the, uh, the, the Barclay, I think. I think that's what it's called. Um, but anyway, it's a really interesting thing. And that, that Netflix, I'm sure is still out there. You can look it up, but, um, it's so fascinating because it talks about the entry process and people from all over the world come to run this race right here in Tennessee. But, um, that whole race started because, uh, when the guy who, um, assassinated Martin Luther King Jr., uh, when they had him in prison in Tennessee, he'd escaped and when he escaped, they had found him. I mean, they, I think they searched for him for like 24 hours, and they found him like a mile away from uh, from wherever he was. And during that time, uh, the guy who founded the race, he said he remembered watching the news, and he said, man, gee whiz, I could get further than a mile. And so that's how it all started. So he went near the mountains at the prison uh, where he was held, and they kind of started mapping off this thing. But the crazy part about it is is – the race map and all that, they don't hand you a map and it's not marked out. You have to basically transcribe the race director's map onto your map and then take off running. The water drops are on there. So, like, if you if you don't get it right, you, you're not going to have water. And a lot of times when you get to the water, it's frozen. So there's a lot to it. And uh, the entry process, you have to write an essay. And, like, to get in the entry fee this year, I think they said was a, a license plate and a pair of socks. So it's like a really weird kind of quirky uh, ordeal, but the, the documentary is fantastic, and I highly, highly, highly recommend checking it out. It's on Netflix and looking up some of these ultra marathon runners. But uh, one of the we're gonna we're gonna take a short break. The trivia question for this break, and this is one, but this is ultra marathon related. Dean Carnassus, he's an ultra marathoner, and he has a book, a uh, couple books actually. One of them's called Ultra Marathon Man. The others I'll have to look up for you. But uh, the question is, Dean Carnassus ran how many miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleeping? You, you heard that right. Uh, how many, Dean Carnassus ran how many miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleeping? Here are the options for the answer. 100 miles, 224 miles, or 350 miles. That's how many miles did Dean Carnassus run in 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleeping? The answer, 100 miles, 224 miles, 350 miles. Stick around. We'll give you the answer right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 93.1 WTJS, the talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Taking care of business. Taking care of business. Mayday. 
The Victory Honda Upgrade event is on, and now is the best time to trade in your vehicle at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. We need your trade and we'll pay you top dollar. Go to VictoryHondaJackson.com and click on the Honda Upgrade Program button to value your trade in seconds. Print it out, bring it in, and we'll give you 125% of that value guaranteed. That's right, get 125% of the book value for your trade-in. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 125% of the book value for your trade. Don't miss the best time to trade in your vehicle during the Victory Honda Upgrade event going on now at Victory Honda. With approved credit, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. 125% of Black Book wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to clean car facts reports. Offer does not combine. See dealer for complete details. Of Rens 52318. You're listening to the Talk of Jackson. For the hottest shows in the Hub City, keep it locked right here on 93.1 WTJS.
That's Money by Pink Floyd. Uh, we're back. I have my broadcast coach stop by, Mr. Harvey Boyd. Harvey, how you doing? Doing great, man. I need 20 push-ups right now. 20, 20 tongue push-ups right now. And, and go. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey's been on me about, uh, he, you're vegan too. Yeah, just recently, uh, four weeks ago. And I talked about that earlier. So tell us about, we, we got a trivia question, but before we give the answer, yeah, I'd like to hear about, because I, I didn't really know how what you making the decision. I told him I thought you watched the thing on Netflix, and that kind of gave you uh, some inspiration to do it. But Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, I was uh, informed I needed to watch it. My, my oldest boy is in the medical profession in Middle Tennessee, and he said, Dad, he was, he was home visiting. He said, Dad, you got to watch this. You got to watch this Netflix video. It's uh, it's called Forks Over Knives. I was like, okay, fine. So he sat there and made sure. <laughs> I mean, he he literally sat on the couch and put me in the chair and he said, "All right, and play." And he st- and and I, so I sat there and watched it. And it was a very compelling uh, documentary, and you know, with enough evidence there that I just couldn't argue it. And I was like, you know what? Why not? I'm 56. I you know I need to start watching what's going on. My family doesn't have. The greatest medical history. My dad has five stents. My brother's on high blood pressure medicine. So is my mother. You know, so it's not like um, you know we're a history of marathon runners and that sort of thing. So my wife's big into into she goes to Pure Bar and she does Simply Sweat and all that. And so you know, so our household is kind of leaning in that direction anyway. So I watched it. and I was like, sure, why not? So yeah, I've been doing it for um, a little over three weeks now and uh, dropped 15 pounds and feel great. And uh, I, I enjoy going to the grocery store now because the, the shopping area is much smaller. I, don't, I just walk right by the dairy and the meat and, you know. I didn't even know there was a section. Like, I went there the other night, and I told my friend, I said, I'm going to stop off here and see if they have anything vegan. I was like, because yeah. I didn't realize, I, you know, and I've, I don't, I've never cooked. So and I've never bought fruits or vegetables or so I'm like walking in hoping to find like some vegan pita I can just buy and go, <laughs> and go I need eat some or microwaves something. Stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. like this is horrible. And so I go back and I see the frozen thing says meat alternatives, and I'm like, oh boy. I know you feel weird, and 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 you know the, the documentary kind of addresses all that in that it does. It, you know, we've been programmed for many many generations now. You know that this is that you eat steak with what baked potato, yeah. right? preceded by a salad, right. which is exactly backwards. If you're going to do that, you want to eat the salad last because salad is like nature's broom. You know, you need it to sweep everything out. Don't eat it first, right? right. <laughs> so even that's wrong. But, but it's so rom- romanticized and, you know, meant real, mean eat, real men eat meat and that sort of thing. And so we, we're kind of pushed into a corner where we do that. But, if, but, you know, you're the age now, and, and I'm certainly the age where I look around, I see all my former classmates falling over with heart attacks and cancer and everything else. I'm like, wait a minute, maybe, maybe it is what we've been putting in our bodies for the last 30 years. Yeah. Maybe I need to think about that a little bit, right? So I'm, so I'm like, sure, why not? I'll give it a try. I'll do anything a try. You know, I'll give everything a shot for a while. Yeah. But, uh, man, I feel so good. I, 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 don't, I don't see any need in stopping now. It's cheaper. It's easier. Sure. You know, the weirdest thing for me has been, I mean, I'm a big guy, you know, I'm, I'm right at 400 pounds. So when I'm like, Hey, what do you guys have? That's vegan. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're like, Oh yeah, right. He's vegan. <laughs> 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 hey, you see that guy out there. He wants to know what's on the vegan menu. <laughs> he must've said vegan. <laughs> right. What is vegan? <laughs> <laughs> that's been the hardest part for me. I'm is like, is that an acronym for something? Yeah, what is <laughs> once I'm slim, it won't be as bad. <laughs> 
but I'm like, man, this is like I don't know how people do. It. So last night I called a place. So you got anything vegan? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I called Asia Garden. We ordered something from Asia Garden the other day, and they actually have uh, I forget what they call it, bean curd. It sounds terrible, but it's delicious. You know, it's, it's fried bean curd and different vegetables, right? And that's just that's tofu. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just smart. It's just smart. I mean, as this guy, as one guy, I was I've been reading a lot about it too. And one guy said, "Why do we keep eating the animals when really all they eat is what we should be eating? <laughs> Why are we eating the middleman? Yeah, you know, just skip them and just eat what they eat. That's right. Which makes more sense because that's where they get their protein. So you know. So anyway, yeah, I, I don't. I could preach on about it for a while because I'm kind of excited about it. But I'm looking forward to the blood work that you know we're gonna I'm gonna get done in three or four months and. You know, having the doctor look at me and go, dude, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was telling my friends the other day, I said, I said, part of the problem is in West Tennessee, it's, it's kind of harder because in LA, every restaurant, you know, California, it's like trendy to be vegan. So everywhere you go, it's, you know, you can walk in and get, uh, versus here, it's like the options are more limited and you have to be more creative with, you got to work a little bit, Yeah, you know, but the same is true. I mean, all, all stats will show you that the poorest part of every town also has the absolute worst health is worst health issues. And they have that because that's where the cheapest, easiest to get food is, you know, it's way easier to find a honey bun for 99 cents than it is to find, you know, you know, some, some lentils and beans and salad. Yeah. Right. But which one is going to do you the most good, you know? And so, yeah, you're right. West Tennessee, as a nation is concerned, we're kind of in a pocket that's, that still loves their fried food. Now, well, I mean, you're going to die or something. Well, okay, well, go ahead. <laughs> I don't intend to. Right. Okay. Yeah. You can die running across the interstate, but I ain't going to do it. <laughs> I, I, I've heard a lot of that, uh, th- a lot of that mentality. Yeah. Um, so you ever run any? We had a running trivia question. Um. I have a, a very a very funny friend of mine who was just on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live recently. His name's Dusty Slay. Somebody he said somebody asked me one time, "Do you you want to go running?" I said, "No, man. As a matter of fact, if you ever see me running, I hope you stop and pick me up because I must be in trouble." <laughs> <laughs> right. So so no, I I walk yeah. right, but I don't run, and it's only you know if I had been for a long time. But I'm I'm a little you know, I'm aware of main. I prefer low impact, yeah. you know, activities and running. I don't want to put any pressure on my knees. My mother has bad knees and that sort of thing. So the, uh, I'm a little more cautious. I would swim all day. I ran a lot. Yeah. When I was fit, and I mean that was kind of my my punishment. I I loved running. I mean it was yeah. To me, it was just how such a you just get rid of so much energy. And I was watching a um, Jocko Willink, the Navy SEAL, was talking to Joe Rogan on his podcast the other day, and he said something that made so much sense to me. I feel like there's always these moments I have where I'm like, man, and some things really set in more. But he said that sometimes they were talking about how, you know, frustrations or this, that, or problems in life. And he says, well, that's when you got to get out of your mind and get in your body. And he said, and it, like when he said that, I thought, man, I've never heard that expression before. But he said, I guarantee you if you go out and they were talking about suicide. And he said, I've never had those thoughts. So I don't understand it. And they were talking about Tim Ferriss, who's a, big podcast business guy now and and they said Tim Ferriss at one point in time wanted to kill himself and in Tim Ferriss fashion he went to like the library and did research on how to do it and was like planning it out wow yeah and um so he was talking about it and he said that you know he says I feel like that in life sometimes when we when we feel like these problems are kind of weighing down on us if we would do more get out of our mind and get in our body 
He says, I guarantee if you go hit that punching bag for a while or you go for that run or you, he goes, when you come back, all of a sudden, you're not even thinking about whatever it was. Sure. And I remember my mother's a big runner. She runs, uh, she's ran a lot of marathons before. I mean, big time distance runner. I know. I saw pictures of your mom on your Facebook and I was like, that's his mom? <laughs> yeah. She's super, wow. super, super healthy. Chase. <laughs> yeah. And uh, good, good genetics. <laughs> yeah. I always say, I'm not, uh, people say, you know, a lot of times when you bring up weight, they say, oh, you know, I've got bad genes. I'm like, well, I don't. I just make poor choices. Yeah. I got big genes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so looking at like, uh, you know, all the different, uh, you know, I would always like run to get rid of energy. Well, when I would bring home my report card and it wasn't very good, my mom would go run. <laughs> <laughs> to get you out of her head. Yeah, she's like, and you know, it was like the difference. That's and hilarious. I thought I was going to get killed to yeah. where I was like, okay, yeah. maybe I could slide by uh, through to the next day. But uh, the <laughs> trivia question was uh, yeah. Dean Carnassus ran how many miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleeping? The answers uh, options were 100 miles, 224 miles, or 350 miles. The answer is 350 miles. What? Yeah, which is 4.38 miles per hour. So that means he had to cover at least 4.38 miles every hour for 80 hours and 44 minutes. Dude, he moves at the speed of my Saturn. That's incredible, right? <laughs> four, and half, four and a half miles an hour. Well, How did I, he do that? He... You know, and when I first got kind of inspired into running, he had a, he wrote a book called um, Ultra Marathon Man. And he's got a couple now, but this one was the one that really got me into running the first time I started losing weight because he talked about this place called Round Table Pizza. He's a like a Western guy. He lives out in California. And I guess Round Table is kind of a popular place there, but they're famous for – you don't have to have an address. They'll deliver to any location. So what he would do is he would start running – like for the weekend, he would get done working on Friday at five or whatever. His family would get in the RV and he would start running and they'd run the whole weekend. He doesn't stop. Like if the kids wanted to play baseball, he put on the mitt and you'd throw while like while running with dad. <laughs> so, yeah. So the round table wow. pizza would deliver. He'd say, meet me at mile marker, you know, 250. Whatever. Yeah. And he would eat, you know, the large pizza while running. Holy cow. And of course he's burning yeah, so many calories he can eat whatever he wants to eat. But sure. uh, that book kind of gave me that inspiration back then, and I thought, um, I'm like, man, that's just unbelievable. And his whole thing started kind of the way I did when I lost weight the first time. He was out at some like corporate party. He said they'd had a few drinks. Him and his wife had gotten into like an argument or something, and he said he's like, I just realized like he's super successful, some executive with his company and all this. And he says, but I just got home. And he says, I put on, there was like uh, gardening shoes. They weren't even like running shoes. They were the shoes he used to like cut the grass. He says, I put them on and I just started running. So he's, you know, half buzzing from the, the party and puts right. on his shoes. And he says he ran and he says, I just kept going and going and going. Well, he ran till the sun came up and he ended up being in, you know, he had to call his wife and he's like, you know, honey, can you come get me? I'm, <laughs> he's like 50 miles from home. She's like. Oh my God, how did you get there? I ran, you know. Is she totally believed that story? Yeah. I love her. Yeah, She's right. Great. Yeah. He had to go to the I was hospital. running all night. Yeah. Well, they checked him into the hospital. He had stress fractures uh, in wow. his feet. And, you know, so he's obviously. That's his thing, though. Yeah, that's yeah. his thing. It's see, like, that's a, I can't see. I can't, you know, I can't just go out and run. Now, I would run if somebody were in front of me and I had to catch them or they were behind me. It, it has to be a sport, right? A competitive sport. 
You know, I'll play basketball all day up and down the court, you know. I'll play softball. I, can, I would love to do those sorts of things. But just to get out and go, man, it's just not my thing. You know, and everybody's got their thing. I guess. Everybody's got their yeah. thing. It's it's really never been mine, but I, I think to me it's one of the hardest things for me to do. So it's always been like this. I was talking to my dad earlier, and I said I went. I said, "Man, I, this morning I did the three miles in fifty five minutes. Yesterday I did three miles. Took me an hour and twenty one. A lot of people listening are probably like, man, that's that's pretty slow. When you're four hundred pounds, it's fast. Yeah, yeah. Stack four hundred <laughs> pounds on your back and do it again. And t- you know they should try that, right? Yeah, yeah. They All don't you gotta do is get some, get some, uh, throw another person on your back and take off running. Yeah, see how far you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there, and as I go through this, uh, I tell him, I said, "Man, I said, you know, I got down to fifty-five minutes, and I was pushing it this morning. I was running part of it. That's the hardest part for me right now. Is is I I can't do the whole thing running." Sure, and I'm used to being able to run, you know, that or further. So it's been uh, it's been tough for me because I'm just used to being able to get out and go. And at this point, it's like I run and then I'll I'll walk and then I'll run and then I'll walk. But you know, and I've been adding elevation because when I get to Malibu, it's four, you know, fourteen miles of hiking uphill. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the difference there as far as big time elevation's way higher. Plus, yeah, it's, it's, you're going to be climbing a lot of it, right? And so I've been. Well, you won't be by yourself, though. It's not like you're going to go join a, you know, a bunch of triathletes. Some of those folks have been. Well, that's the thing that's made me nervous is when I went to their Instagram page. Yeah. There's not one fat person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these Hollywood celebrities. <laughs> this, this chick on here last week, it's uh, Clint Eastwood's granddaughter. She looks like she weighs 90 pounds. So what is she trying to get back to 85 pounds from from 91? So, so that's your motivation right now? You're like, man, I got to knock off at least 120 pounds in a week. Yeah, just before I get there. <laughs> So it's been, oh, man. it's, yeah, it's been, I'm, it's, and I, I thought that I had to, I thought I read the rules and it said, be able to walk 90 minutes, three days a week and you'll be okay. Well, I get the rules out this week. What does it say? It says that you're supposed to do the 90 minutes on the off days. You should be up to like four hours a day right now. And so I'm like, oh man, I'm, <laughs> I'm way behind schedule. <laughs> So I've been. Uh, well, you're gonna get a participation trophy though, so yeah, something for that, right? I'm trying to get where, and I've I've pushed it like these last few days. I went over to the Union Trails yesterday. I saw that. It was yeah. Hot, and I, I went yeah. out and I got in like three. It took me about 90 minutes. I was out there, and what's funny is Brian, who uh, works at the store for me, he's fit, weighs like 160. He says I'll go with you. So we get there and we walk the 1.7 mile difficult loop. We get back. He says, "Man, I'm really glad we uh, we came out here." I said, "Bro, we got to do four more of those." <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, he wasn't having it. He got a phone call. Yeah, yeah. I said, "All right, I have man. an emergency. I, said, I have to I'm go." I'm like, "You're gonna let yeah. the 400 pound guy go, and, <laughs> and you're going back to the car because you're tired." <laughs> yeah, good for you, man. So let's, uh, you know, I'm glad that you came here. We talk about business every week, and you and I have kind of chatted before. And I don't know all of your background, but I would like to hear about it, and I'd also like to hear about. Um, you know, you started out in, in broadcast and media, and you're still doing that. But tell us about, you know, just where you came from and uh, and growing up and, and how you got into this business. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. It's, you know, I, <laughs> on the way over here, I was like, why am I going to talk about this? But then I realized that your audience, there are a lot of folks who ha- are either just, you know, thinking about the idea of getting started in their own business or a different career than what they're currently involved in. 
uh, at a young age, maybe, or even at an older age. And it all starts with, with um, just being 100% all in on something, right? And I didn't realize that's what I was doing at the time. I was like 9, 10, 11 years old, somewhere in that area, and my dad was the editor and publisher of a, a local newspaper. And so I was like, wow, I want to do what dad does, which is, you know, what you do, right? Yeah. If your dad's a cop or if your dad's a fireman, if, you know, whatever, your dad's a military guy. My dad was a newspaper man. So I was like, I want to be a newspaper man. So I went to the newspaper office and watched him lay out and, you know, write or lay out uh, pages and write stories and take photos and all that. And I was like, so I started doing the same thing. And he actually let me make a little mini paper. So while he was working, I was on the other side making a little mini paper, doing layout and that, that sort of thing. So he kind of stoked the flames. Plus, I realize now it kind of kept me out of his hair at the time, right? right. So um, at about age 12, when I was 12, he, he moved to the radio business. Uh, a guy asked him to come manage a radio station, which he had never done. And so he got involved in that, and I started seeing the behind-the-scenes thing of the radio guys. I was like, ah, oh, now I want to be a radio guy, right? And, and luckily, my voice changed at about that time. Yeah. So I wound up at, at, you know, age 12 and a half, 13, sounding like I was already 30, you know, right? which was fortunate. And so then I started bugging him. I was like, man, I want to get in the radio. Come on, hire me at the radio station. I want to be a radio guy, blah, 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 right? I was just a punk kid. And so he finally said, uh, okay, fine, I'll hire you. And uh, I think the pay was 26 bucks a week, right? And so I show up at work the first day, ready to get on the radio, <laughs> right? He <laughs> hands me a mop and a roll of garbage bags. So for the next year, I was the janitor at the radio station. So I mopped the floors and emptied the ashtrays. Everybody smoked back then. Um, you know, uh, cleaned the toilets, vacuumed the floors, washed the did all that. And the whole time, watching the radio guys while they're in the studio doing their work and picking up on what they were doing. And uh, really, really studied that. So I had such a burn for it, man. When I got at, at home, I had, uh, I, I got two little, 45 RPM turntables and put them side by side, went to Radio Shack and got an electric switch and figured out how to wire it. I don't know how I didn't electrocute myself <laughs> and fixed it so I could flick a switch and the turntable would start or I'd flick this switch and the other turntable would start just like the radio studio, right? Then I got a cassette recorder and set it in between them and got a little handheld microphone and I would press, I figured out if I could press play and record with a cassette and run a, a speaker wire out of the uh, ear jack and ran it down the hallway where into my little brother's bedroom <laughs> with a speaker, I could force him to listen to my radio show. <laughs> 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 it's kind of like we're doing now, That's right? That's cool. Exactly. And so I had commercials and I'd do the weather and I'd play, and I, I only had like, you know, five or six records, but I just played the hell out of those, played them over and over, you know? And, um, and finally had the opportunity to get on, to literally get on the air when a guy let his license expire and I had a, there was a 45-minute show. And so I got to get on there and do a 45-minute show for a while. And it just kind of took off from there. I got to be really, really good at it. Man, at night, to talk about obsession, I, I, would, lay in the f I, I would lay in my bed at night and there was a radio laying in the floor. I had it, and I had it where it just turned up where I could hear it. And I would scan the dial at 11 o'clock at night, midnight, hearing these radio stations way off in the middle of nowhere. You know, that's the only time you could hear them. Right. It was late at night. And uh, I would listen to those guys and hear the way they communicated with their audience and topics that they found interesting, interesting and the way they laid out their shows. And I would listen to them. 
just like you listen to podcasts now. You know, you're listening to them with a different ear now exactly. than you did six months ago. And so, I, you know, there I was, you know, 13 years old listening to that stuff and making mental notes and then would apply it to what I was doing on air. And uh, just got real successful, man. I was like, <laughs> I told you earlier, I was like the Scott Bayo of radio around here because I would literally get 30 or 40 fan letters a week from, you know, girls in West Tennessee who would be listening and they, you know, thought I was something special, you know. And of course, I didn't, I didn't know any better. You know, I thought I probably was. And uh, it just made me work harder, you know. And so they would show up at places that I would go and that, and that sort of thing. And my wife told this story the other day. I'd never heard it until just the other day. She said she was 12 years old. She's a, she's a couple of years younger than me. And she, she, she was 12, and she was, went over to her best friend's house in Milan, and her best friend had a, a scrapbook about me. I mean, a literal scrapbook of every newspaper article or photograph or any, you know, any, anything that she had made note of about me or whatever. And she had a scrapbook, and she was sharing it with, with my wife. And uh, my wife said, so they were listening to me that day, and she was all nervous. She was trying to cajole her into calling and making a request. And she was so nervous to call, you know. <laughs> she said, but I remember calling, I requested a Kenny Rogers song. And I was so scared, I hung up the first two times. And the third time, I finally, you know, with a real shaky voice, made my request. And I, we just thought you sounded so sexy on radio and all, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't know any of that was going on. That's too funny. You know. But uh, so that's that's how that got started. And then I got, uh, you know, later I got involved in radio sales at age 15 and then management and ownership and and then uh, kind of went from there, wound up working for a corporate group and went as far as I could in that. And they wanted to move me to other parts of the country. And I was not interested in that. So decided to kind of semi-retire and just do my own thing. So that's Har- what I'm Harvey Boyd's with us in studio. We're, we're talking about some of uh, his life and coming up in broadcast and uh, where he's at today. We're going to get more from him. We're gonna, I'm going to give you a trivia question. Good. You may know the answer to this because this is radio related okay but we're going to get the answer to see if he knows the answer when we come back (laughs) so my question to you is is do you know if you do you can't answer now okay do you know what the what the name of the channels and am frequency that are that are reserved for only certain frequencies at nighttime do you know what those are called so we're going to find out the answer right after this You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 93.1 WTJS, the talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. The Victory Honda Upgrade event is on, and now is the best time to trade in your vehicle at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. We need your trade, and we'll pay you top dollar. Go to VictoryHondaJackson.com and click on the Honda Upgrade Program button to value your trade in seconds. Print it out, bring it in, and we'll give you 125% of that value guaranteed. That's right, get 125% of the book value for your trade-in. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 125% of the book value for your trade. Don't miss the best time to trade in your vehicle during the Victory Honda Upgrade event going on now at Victory Honda. 
With approved credit, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. 125% of Black Book wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to clean car facts report. Offer does not combine. See dealer for complete details. Offer ends 52318. You're listening to the Talk of Jackson. For the hottest shows in the Hub City, keep it locked right here on 93.1 WTJS.
We're back. That's Big Money by Rush. Do I do that part good? Is that how you do it as a music DJ? No, it's all right. Let's hear yours. <laughs> yeah, put you on the spot now. No, I'm just thinking that's Big Money by Rush. Isn't that them? Yeah, but that's not how you say it. Well, let's, let's, here's the first lesson of the day, folks. <laughs> Big Money, Rush. That's it. That's it. Give it a little, give it a little flavor, man. That's Big Money by Rush. <laughs> that was a wonderful song uh, back in the day, you know, on the That's radio. That's a terrible impersonation of me. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Boyd's with us. We're talking all things business, as always. We've And uh, Harvey told us a little bit. He's He's been a long-time broadcast guy. His family was in that business. So I gave him a trivia question uh, before the break. We're going to see if he knows the answer. The trivia question was, is did he know the name of the designated frequencies which only certain stations could use at nighttime on AM stations? Uh, yeah, Clear Channel. Clear Channel is right? the correct answer. Ding, 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 ding. So it's very interesting, and, and I just recently found this out because, you know, I, I'm a student of my craft, and this is a good thing to learn in business is I think, like, you soak it all in. Right. I've been watching the Wolfman Jack I've been watching, uh, who's the guy, D's from uh, Rick D's. Rick D's and his cast of idiots. Yeah, from, uh, yeah. I couldn't believe the Duck song. He sold it for $2,500 and it went to number one. Disco Duck. Disco Duck. Yeah. That's incredible. And that song is terrible. It's awful. It doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> right. I mean, you listen to the lyrics, you're like, what? It was fun, though. Yeah, I mean, I could see that and I could see where at that time yeah. there really wasn't things like that going on i mean yeah it was like a non-song it was a you know you were so tired of hearing everything else at that time it was just kind of kind of a fun throwaway song like weird al you know so you fun. you started in the radio business at what age uh 13 13 and you were doing the show where did you go from there because you know harvey's an entrepreneur he works for himself now mm -hmm. and where where did you go from that point into how you got here and i know you can give us a cliff note version because you're kind of old <laughs> <laughs> that, was that was that a compliment <laughs> senior is better right senior i'm getting the discounts nowadays though you know what i get discounts you can't get so it's you all get right groceries on golden tuesdays or <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of help you sack your groceries ma'am that's it uh, well, I mean, I was I was in radio, and I got a, I got involved in sales at age fifteen, which which is where the money is in radio anyway. There's no money in being on the air, right. on the air. So I figured out pretty quick, wow, if I got if I'm gonna make a car payment one day, I'm gonna have to you know start doing sales. And so you know, doing any kind of sales at age fifteen is just a little bit scary, you know, because you're going Absolutely. to talk to guys who are you know three times your age. And so that's when I, I read a book called uh, Dress for Success. So started wearing shirt and tie at that point. You know, I was that guy, yeah. right? But I felt like it gave me an edge. Absolutely. And then uh, I would work out entire ad campaigns for them and go in with and, and come in with a creative idea. And I knew that creative ideas would give me a little bit of an edge too. So I really boned up on whoever my prospect was and I would go in to, you know, present them with a new idea on how they can move a, a product or a service with a real creative radio ad. And so that kind of started the whole creative process, too. It was kind of born out of necessity of so I could make a sale. And I did really, really good in sales. I mean, I did really well, uh, f I think, for that reason, because I came in with a fresh new idea every time. 
and would, was sincerely interested in their business and whether they would succeed with this idea or not, right? So, uh, so I did that and then uh, graduated high school and it was time to go to college. And I was like, well, I'm going to further my, I'm going to do marketing. I'm going to go study, you know, sales and marketing since this is going to be my thing. And I go to a, a local uh, college and or university. I won't say which one because they're all great. But the professor that I had in the class I took at that time, about halfway through it, I was like, this guy's talking about stuff from, you know, two decades ago, right? So I quit. And at the time at, at Old Hickory Mall, right in the corner of the entrance was a place called Bookland, and they carried all the books. It was like Barnes & Noble before there was Barnes & Noble. And I went in there, and I never, will, I never will forget, I bought 24 sales and marketing books from people who were current, edgy, writing things about what they were succeeding at doing right then, right? So I took those 24 books home, and that became my college curriculum. So I studied those. I studied the guys who were, who were current masters of their trade and gleaned everything I could from them. And so that's, that's kind of where, you know, where we took it from there. So I started applying all of that to the radio stations. We wound up having some really, really successful shows, uh, the Woody and Harvey Show, the Buzz and Harvey Show, um, and... Uh, and, and, and learn how to, how to create a cast of characters and how to build an audience and how to maintain an audience and have them coming back and coming back and coming back and how to market the radio stations and that sort of thing. And so ultimately we wound up selling the radio stations in 2006 for a ish ton of money. Yeah. And it, that it, was prime it, it was time good. to sell. Yeah. It was perfect time, perfect time to get out of there. And we had a product that, that was very successful only for all the reasons that we just stated, because they were low wattage stations. We were literally operating out of a house trailer in the country. Literally, it was a modular unit and uh, had very low wattage, only had like six people on staff, right? But we had, but they knew that it was, that it was lightning in a bottle, right? So part of the deal was I had to go work for the new company who bought us uh, for five years. And I went to work for, th- for them and in a short period of time, moved up to operations manager. And like I mentioned earlier, they wanted me to move off to different states and run other groups. And I decided I didn't want to, didn't want to do that. I wanted to stay here and coach my boys' little league team and, you know, do that kind of stuff. I didn't want to be the weekend dad. You know, I want to be the everyday That's dad. That's become kind of the thing know? in radio, right? It's big conglomerates that yeah. own a lot of the stations. Yeah. By necessity, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, radio's radio's starting to feel some of the same effects that, you know, local newspapers have felt and that sort of thing. And they've got to get creative. That's one reason 93.1 is doing a really, really good job of it's really hard to play music alone. Right. You have to start getting really involved in the community and still be entertaining and deliver information and that sort of thing. So so they've got a they've got a really good shot at doing some good things. I read an article on Forbes the other day and it talked about how basically said radio's dead except for talk radio and it said that like there's no way to replace it you know everyone likes hearing and i remember um i really got into radio as far as a listener probably more so than most people do i would think but um because i found it fascinating but also so entertaining and it was when i lived in atlanta growing up in west virginia the stations are so limited we had like a country station that was fifty thousand watts well, 50,000 watts didn't get you far because you're in the mountains. Right. So when I go to Atlanta, I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, I would get in the car and uh, the Burt Show, which is a huge syndicated show, I would listen to. 
And it was like nothing you would expect on a radio. It was just, you know, Bert doesn't sound like a radio guy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they had these other people who didn't sound like radio people. And they would do funny stuff. And and you felt like riding to work because you're in Atlanta. You're in the car two hours anyway. That's right. So you're a captive audience. And but you I mean, I remember pulling up to work and I'm going in like smiling (laughs) and like (laughs) thinking everyone else was just like laughing with me, you know, and I'm like, well, I guess you guys missed out on that. But every morning I looked so forward to, to getting the radio turned on. And it just made your drive that, well, mean, and that's, that much better. That's what we created with the Buzz and Harvey show, for example. I was I was the the uptight conservative guy. That was my character. You know, Buzz was the the the, the uber liberal guy. You know, a, a musician, and you know, and uh, then we had then we had a redneck that was uh, Opie. He was he was the redneck doing sports on the show. Go UT, you know. And then we had a black guy doing the the traffic, and that's what he was. He was called the black guy, right? And so it, 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 was, it was provocative enough and interesting enough that, that when you listened, you related to somebody. Yeah. You know, no matter who you were, there was somebody on that show, you were like, I agree with him, you know, or he's stupid or whatever. Yeah. And we would get into fights. I mean, it was, it, it was, it was, a, it was a very hard show sometimes, but man, we laughed. God, we laughed so much. You know, we had it all set up where we couldn't actually talk to each other at all during the songs or during the commercial breaks. We were in different studios, so the only time we were actually involved with each other was when the mics were on. So that made for some really exciting moments. That's really yeah. cool. I found myself over the years in listening, like when I listened to the Bird Show, they were. I'm kind of conservative, I would say, and they're they weren't. And I mean, I remember they were going to the gay pride pride parade and they were talking about it, and I'm like, but I still wanted to listen to what's going <laughs> sure. on. Sure, yeah, you know, and it's yeah. like even though sometimes those opposing things, it's like you get inside someone else's mind and see what how they think and what's going on Absolutely. with you know with, with yeah. their thoughts and i think it gives it's given me a broader look at the world you know you become more worldly you understand that hey you can look at things one way i can look at them another and we can still be friends yeah that was the cool thing about about the way we had that show set up and that whatever the topic was you got to hear all viewpoints it was like going I remember I would, you know, you go to an old country store somewhere and you got a bunch of old guys sitting around drinking coffee yeah you know those were the guys who, who would solve the world's problems, supposedly, and they were all usually diametrically opposed to each other. Right. You know, but it made for some really stimulating conversation. You know, and some of that's happening now on Facebook and other social media, but the problem is, is that text doesn't carry along with it voice inflection, you know, or a wink or a sarcasm or a smile. And so a lot of times things are read as being mean-spirited when they really weren't. You know, they, right. those same conversations where people get into almost fights on Facebook, if they were sitting across from each other, they could say the exact same things and they wouldn't fight about it because they would, they would recognize it from body language and vocal intonations that maybe they don't mean exactly what they're, yeah. what they're putting on I the printed I see that word. in humor a lot, too. Like, yeah. uh, little Chase will come out and be laughing at something he sees on the Internet, and I'm like, it's not that funny. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he saw and thought it was fun. Versus if you're listening to it and yeah. everyone's laughing, you're like, yeah, that's, you know, you're laughing along with it. Absolutely. But he'll, uh, I, I, I noticed that too. So you, you're doing the, the show at the time. And then how did you transition into, at the time that you became, you always had an entrepreneurial spirit. That's why you kind of, since early age, were laying out a newspaper and doing radio. At what point did you make the plunge from, hey, I'm working to, I'm going to go off and work for myself? Well, you know, aside from the whole corporate uh, thing where I did for three years, it it really almost was already. You know, right. I, I almost kind of grew up in it. I had one granddad who worked at a at a factory, 
you know, and I, and I would observe him as a kid. I had another granddad who was a commercial fisherman, also had a fruit and vegetable market, was also a weekend occasional preacher, you know, would yeah. work on his truck, you know, so he was more of the fiery entrepreneurial guy. So I got to see those two. And then I watched my dad as he was, you know, working for somebody in the newspaper business and then radio, and then then he bought the radio stations, and then he, I watched him struggle and walk around with, you know, three months worth of paychecks in his pocket that he never cashed of his own, right? you know, because he wanted to make sure everybody else got paid. Sure. And so you see all those struggles, and, and then uh, fortunately he believed in my vision enough at that time that if I came in with an idea, he was like, you know, that makes sense, go for that, you know? So I was able to, to create things at an early age and then roll them out, and, and some succeeded wildly and some failed miserably. But that's the entrepreneurism, right? Yeah. You know? And so after I got out of the, the after that, then uh, I had a lot, after I did the corporate thing and got out of that, then I had several clients who were like, man, I hate you getting out of radio. I really appreciate the way you've always, you know, kind of seen over my accounts. And I think you've got great, you know, creative ideas. I don't know how you come up with them, you know, but I really like them. Can you just do some stuff for me? And I had like five or six wanted to do that. And then I had five or six more contacted me. And I was like, well, I, this is what I love doing. Right. I love doing it. Man, I get up every day, can't wait for the, for the day to get started. Every day, you know? And I think it's primarily because now I get to only do things that I love doing and I only work with people I like. If I don't like you, I ain't going to work with you. Right. I ain't going to do it. I'm 56. I don't have to impress anybody. Yeah. You know, I'm, I know where I'm at in my station in life. You know, I will happily work for you and do you a fantastic job, but I don't have to, yeah. you know? So, so it's, it, I think it brings a different work ethic to it. You know, I'm not really doing a job. It's more of a labor of love at this point, you know? Well, those opportunities, and that's how I got in the paint business. Everyone kept walking in the door and all they would do is complain about the price. Say if there was anywhere else to buy paint, they'd buy it. And you know, me, I'm like the, the wheels are turning in the back of my head. I'm like, if every person that walks in here is not happy with the price and wishes there was someone else to buy it, Hello? all I got to do is get a cheaper one and sell it somewhere else. Right. And, uh, and that's exactly what I did. But recognizing that I feel like, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people don't believe in themselves enough that when they see those opportunities, they say, well, they always think there's more to it, you know? And, and I remember working for managers that led you to believe they did like, like you could never do my job. And like, there's all, and I used to think there was like so much more to what they did but it must be real secretive because I never saw him do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and, it's a little club. Right. Yeah. And, a, and a lot of times it's not. It's no. just. No, it's not. Uh, I always call them armchair warriors. They justify their positions in life by, you know, trivial things. Maybe send you a bazillion micromanaging emails or things to do. Dude, I dealt it's with just that. just busy work. That's you know? part of that corporate thing. I even They even sent a thing one time, an email saying, please tell us what we can do better. I said, how about we quit having a meeting about having the meeting about the meeting? <laughs> how about we try that? How about we just work? Yeah. This is a crazy idea, I know, but no meetings. Let's work. <laughs> yeah. A new concept. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy talk, I know. <laughs> right? We would have to, you had to write a, you know, write a report and send it in, then write a report about the report about the report. I'm like, what are you, this is ridiculous. No wonder corporate America is struggling, man. So... So, yeah, so that, they didn't much like my response to Harvey that. Harvey Boyd's with us. Sorry. We're talking about uh, <laughs> he's an entrepreneur. And one of the things that, uh, that you do is uh, comedy. 
Stand-up comedy, too. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that. You know, that, that, that that's rare. I mean, a lot of people would want to, but they say that, that stand-up comedy is the hardest job in the entertainment world, right? Because you're really putting yourself out there. I mean, it, they're either going right. to laugh or they're not. Exactly. I mean, if you're a terrible piano player, if you play the guitar and it's awful, if you can't sing a lick, people will still politely applaud. Nobody politely laughs. Right. You either laugh or you don't. And there's nobody on stage you can look around going, it must be the bass player's fault. <laughs> you know, it's just you, brother. But it's, uh, but it's fun. And, and, and that, that kind of, I kind of stumbled into that too, you know. Because, uh, we were sponsoring the comedy night, and the, the lady that ran the joint at the time, she said, hey, would you come in and, and do a little five-minute thing saying, hey, you know, welcome to the show. And so uh, I did and said a couple of things that were kind of funny, and it kind of, it kind of went, went from there, you know. And it's a, it's a whole different form of entertainment, you know. I mean, there's one thing, talking on the radio is one thing. Writing articles is another thing. And being on stage is, a, is, a, is another thing. And all three of them have very big differences in how you communicate to somebody. Yeah. You know? I've always felt like fun. I was good in front of people naturally. You know, it's just, I think that part of, you know, I've got to where I'm at because I was a great salesman. Part of being a great salesman is you have some showmanship. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to, because when you meet a client, they don't always like you, you you know, and they're not always your personality type or your, so you have to figure out how to get them to like, you know, a lot of times it's taken on a character and maybe I'm, you know, I have to be more like something else that they do like for them to like me enough to decide to buy from me. So I feel like that's where, um, you know, doing this and going towards uh, radio, I really thought about it a lot because I thought. Well, I think I'm nice to talk to, but am I? I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah. so you start doing this this like, you know, this analytical side. Luckily, I've done enough of the shows now. I've got a lot of good feedback from everyone, so I feel good about it, but you do think about it more. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a whole, you know, when you write when you're writing, if you're writing a blog, for example, the way you write is completely different from the way you're on radio, which is completely from where you are on stage. And I think that when you, when you do those three different things, you start to see what the differences are, you know, as far as in the way you, 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 you take a message from point A to point B. And when you're writing, you have to be very careful about not having repeat words or repeat phrases. When you're doing, you're on the radio, it's fine because you're driving home a point. You're almost like a preacher, you know, and that you need to, to go over the same words or phrases multiple times for them to have an impact, you know. And then when you're on stage, you have to do the same thing, but even ramp it up even more because they're being distracted by other people, by, you know, the drink that just sat down in front of them or whatever. So you really have to laser focus in on your message. So I found that fascinating that you have to kind of change based on what the medium is. You, you know? probably learn a lot because you have some 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 pretty big acts that come to to the comedy club. Yeah, yeah, I folks. Mean, I, I see them all the time. I follow the page. I also get a lot of the emails because uh, you have an email uh, the blast that comes out right that kind of yeah. updates you on what's. So I've, I mean, I've been like, wow, you know, so and so, which I've seen on well TV somewhere or whatever that's there, and we're lucky that we're right here on I forty, and we're just an hour from Memphis or a couple hours from Nashville. So a lot of times they're in, in route in between those two or to one or the other. And stopping off in Jackson is a really good, really good stopping point for them. Plus, this comedy club is the second oldest comedy club in the world. Wow. Second oldest, longest, long, uh, continuous running comedy club in the world. So it, it's a big, it's, it's legendary in, this, in the stand-up comedy world. 
That's know. really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we, you know, we've got a, it's quite a jewel here in Jackson. And, and we have people come up from Mississippi all the time, Missouri, Arkansas, Kentucky, as far as patrons who, who will come to Jackson and spend the night just so they can come see the show at the Comedy Club. So it's neat. The, uh, do you pick up on other you know, people who are doing comedy? Do you pick up on their deliveries and their for to use for when you do because you do probably, shows too right yeah yeah probably subconsciously a little bit you know you pick up on 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 how they're able to communicate with an to an audience or whatever i usually get kudos from those national comedians on on crowd work you know they're, they're like man your improv your improv skills are really well honed you know but that goes back to being on radio every day right you know because you learn that you have to be improvisational quickly if you're dealing with, you know, people in the studio or phone callers or whatever. So it's funny how all of that kind of handshakes with each other in order to make it work, you know. I watched a, uh, you know, YouTube's a, a, a wonderful tool. Yeah. And uh, so I go I'll on fix there. my washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I went on there and I type. And, you know, what's crazy is is how keywords pull up different stuff. <laughs> so, like, you'll be like, hmm, how do I phrase this? How do I do radio? <laughs> you know, or how right. And then I put on there, like, I put how to be a good radio presenter. Then I put how to be a good radio broadcast. I'm like, which one of these is going to give me the right? And uh, there was these tips that popped up. So I'm like, I wonder what these are. A lot of them you're like, come on, that's just. But one of the funniest ones I saw on there, it said, uh, things will always go wrong on air. You have to be prepared to, <laughs> you know, like, keep it going or to, you right. know. Right, and I just thought that that's funny because uh, I had a partner drop the f bomb on live radio once. Wow! Yeah, and he looked at me, totally froze, and looked at me like, "What do I do now?" <laughs> you know, and I just kept talking. I said, "I don't think the guy was driving a truck. I'm pretty sure that he was." You know, I was trying to think of everything I could that rhymed. You know, to try <laughs> so that maybe the casual listener was like, "Oh, he said truck." Okay. <laughs> 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 we totally got away with it. I don't know how. <laughs> so Harvey yeah, Boyd's know. here with us. We're talking about uh, all things business. He's a local entrepreneur. And uh, I want to get down to a few things and I want to cover right after this break because there's some things mentally that I want to know more about that I think you can give us some insight on. And uh, I think you've got so many, you know, because I know you do your digital business. Right. You know, you also do film. Do yeah. What else? I mean, <laughs> got like a bag full of things you can do over here. <laughs> Renaissance man, I guess. Huh? Man, it's uh, I I get a lot of times people come to me needing a creative idea or a creative solution to their problem or whatever it is going on, and so I have utilized for years the subconscious mind and it's and it's it's some traits that I think some listeners can probably start using, and they they've already been using them, just didn't realize it. Um, in order to, to use the subconscious mind to, to answer your creative question that you have or your creative problem. We're going to get that cool. and more right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 93.1 WTJS, the talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this.
The Victory Honda Upgrade event is on, and now is the best time to trade in your vehicle at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. We need your trade and we'll pay you top dollar. Go to VictoryHondaJackson.com and click on the Honda Upgrade Program button to value your trade in seconds. Print it out, bring it in, and we'll give you 125% of that value guaranteed. That's right, get 125% of the book value for your trade-in. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 125% of the book value for your trade. Don't miss the best time to trade in your vehicle during the Victory Honda Upgrade event going on now at Victory Honda. With approved credit, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. 125% of Black Book wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean car fax report. Offer does not combine. See dealer for complete details. Offer ends 52318. You're listening to the Talk of Jackson. For the hottest shows in the Hub City, keep it locked right here on 93.1 WTJS.
The Love of Money, the OJs. See there? Was that better? That was hot. <laughs> that was hot. So I could have made it as an 80, 80s radio disc jockey, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, no doubt. You're a good coach. That was smoking. So we were ta- before the break, we were talking about the subconscious mind, and uh, you've got some stuff on this, and I'm excited to hear about it because I'm going to learn something here. And I said, the only thing I know about... Uh, Anything to do with minds is uh, the suspicious mind by Elvis. <laughs> Subconscious minds keep falling down. No, that's Kentucky Rain. So let's hear right. about uh, about the subconscious mind. Dude, I was in junior high, and I would love to go to the library and hang out at the library. I was the geek because I was like, this is a building full of information. Anything you want to know. It was the internet before there was internet. It was called the library, kids. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> the Dewey Decimal System, remember? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> well, in West Virginia, y'all, y'all had like three books. It had to be easy. They just, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you want book A, B, or C this week? <laughs> <laughs> Dental hygiene, here you go. <laughs> okay. All right, so I was in junior high, and I was in, and I was and I was in the library, and I saw these. And I, at that time, you'll think this is nuts. But there was a book called TNT, if I remember right, and it was and it was about um, things like psychokinesis and mental telepathy, and because I was keenly interested in how the brain worked, it was just something that stoked my flames, man. I was just like, I think it's fascinating how the brain works. I want to know more about how it works. Yeah. And so the, that book was there, and there was another book next to it with a red cover. It's called The Magic of Believing, and I'm sure it's still out there somewhere uh, as far as being available, but it's called The Magic of Believing. So I, I read that, and it was very, I found it very profound, and it, it talked about how the subconscious mind works. You know how when you're, you wake up in the middle of the night and you've, you've got a dream of, of somebody chasing you or something like that, and you just wake up out of a, you know, straight out of a dream, and your heart's pounding, and you're sweating, and, you know, and, and for a second, you believe it's still true, Yeah. right? That's the subconscious mind. Uh, other examples of the sub, because the subconscious mind doesn't understand what's real and what's not real. You got the conscious mind, which focuses on everything that you're doing. The subconscious mind is what keeps going. It's your computer RAM. It's just going, right? 
to keep everything moving. And it continues to, 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 to process information. Another example, you're, you're trying to think of somebody's name. You're like, what's that guy's name? I went to school with him or whatever. Well, I can't think of his name. And you finally just say, that the hell with it, and you, get, and you give up. And you're driving down the road later, and all of a sudden, his name just pops in your mind out of, out of nowhere, it seems, right? Yeah. That's the subconscious mind. It was continuing to search for that name while you went on doing what you were doing, right? That's really cool. All right. Uh, another example, you just bought a red Honda Civic. Pretty slick, right? Sticking yeah. Honda in there. Yeah, okay. I like that. All right, so you just bought a red Honda Civic, and you're at an intersection, and, and you look around, and you're like, well, there's another red Honda Civic. And you start noticing that there's, well, there's another one, right? Those, those, they, were all, they were always there. You just didn't notice them until you bought a red Honda Civic. That's your subconscious mind seeing things that were there previously, but now it's in your cir- circle of information, and so you start picking up on that. Other people, for a while, I kept seeing 333. I'd be I'd glance at the clock and it says 333. I'd be watching a TV show and it would say, you know, room 333. And I was like, what's the deal with room with 333? So I investigated that same thing. Once you start that cycle, your subconscious mind starts actively seeking out that stuff and finding it for you. Mine's 1111. I had a girlfriend. I used to always text her. 1111, mm-hmm. make a wish, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I did that for years. I mean, I, and it was like I would never miss... And it was bizarre because you'd have thought I set an alarm. Never did. Right. It just always seemed like I'd look at the clock and yeah. it'd be like 11.10 and I'd be like, huh, I should send her a text, 11.11. It's just weird how. Right. But it's your, that's your subconscious mind bringing it to your attention. So, right. So, so it was, there was nothing superstitious or unusual going on. Right. It's just a good, another example of how it works. Now, how do you make that, how do you make that work for you? Well, that's the next. That's the tough. That's the tough question. Well, here's how you make it work for you: you learn to to harness that ability and actually, I mean, literally say, "Here's a certain set of circumstances. Here's an answer I need. I need you to work on it, and just instruct your subconscious to go work on it, and it will." Real good example. Recently, we're, we're working with a program called Arise to Read. The number two, Arise to Read. And what they do is they work with second graders in public schools. You have volunteers who come in and work with those second graders to help them with their reading skills. Now, the problem with the name Arise to Read, which stands for a renewal in student education, is that it didn't really say what they did. What they do is you volunteer to go in and sit with a second grader and you help them go over 1,000 sight, ru- sight words. Sight words are words that have been determined that that uh, these words are important, and they need to be able to see that word, say that word, understand what it means, and use it in a sentence. And if those second graders are taught those 1,000 sight words, then their schoolwork dramatically increases. Hmm. Because now instead of just reading words like a parrot, where they probably know how they sound or whatever, they don't know what the word means right. until they go through this program. And now they understand what those 1,000 words mean. So part of us working with this group and coming up with some of their promotional material, they're doing some recruitment material and we're putting the video together, was <clears throat> we need to come up with a, with a slogan that says what it is because everybody thinks you're just going to read books to kids, and you're not. You're teaching them these 1,000 sight words. And it's all about the future of these kids. You know, if they learn how to, how to read well, then they feel better about themselves, they're able to be more successful and 
They, they don't become juvenile delinquents and on welfare and that sort of thing. So that's the goal, right, is their future, which in turn is the city's future and all that. So I, I, I put that information up there, and I'm like, all right, we've got to find, you know, subconscious, come up with a, with a slogan. <clears throat> Two days later, I'm driving down the 45 bypass. I'm going past a Humboldt airport. That's when the thought enters my head. A picture is worth a thousand words. We've all heard that. Yeah. Well, if you're going to borrow or steal a phrase, the, the syllables have to be the same. And so we just changed it to a future is worth a thousand words. Right? Completely explains what the, what the program is. It talks about the future. And it's a phrase that you can easily remember because everybody knows a picture is worth a thousand words. Right. But there I was just driving down the road. Subconscious had been playing with that idea for two days and then finally just dropped the answer in there. Albert Einstein used to say, and I probably has the, have the phrase not accurate, but he said, all ideas come from outer space. Well, they don't really, <laughs> right? It's your subconscious mind. If you train it properly, you can have it start looking for certain things. I, <laughs> this is pro- was probably illegal, but <clears throat> when I didn't have any money, I mean no money, I had like $4 in my pocket and had them folded over so it would look like more than $4, right? I wanted more money, and I had, was thinking about this process, and so I, had a, I, went to a, a, I took a $20 bill to a photocopier and copied it. Just made several copies, just the front side, nothing illegal. Cut them out and folded them up to make a stack of 20s, a roll of 20s, basically, and put my ones over the top so that my subconscious mind, every time I would take the money out of my pocket to pay for something, I would see all those 20s, and it would become second nature. Which, Ace, it wasn't very long after that. I had a pocket full of 20s, wow. right? Because your subconscious mind starts, starts looking for certain things. Like if you say, I want to have, um, I want to sell X number of, if you have a salesperson, I want to sell X number of cars this month. If he needs to sell 20 cars this month, he needs to have that number 20 everywhere he looks. On his bathroom mirror, on the dashboard of his car, on his desk. He needs to be sitting around writing 20 over and over and over, you know? And his subconscious mind will start seeing prospects, thinking of prospects or whatever to achieve that goal of 20. It works. It flat out works, man. I've, I've had some experiences with that before. And uh, actually, part of the brain that, uh, that does that is called the reticular activating system. And I went through a power communications course that talked about, they call it the RAS, and they talked about the car example you used where all of a sudden you'll start seeing, you know, the red car. Mm-hmm. And you've never noticed it before, then all of a sudden you start picking up on that. But uh, actually when I was starting to do the show, I'm not a creative person. You know, I'm good with content as far as, you know, I know a lot so I can share it. Just from being a student of like I'm constantly on YouTube, constantly online, constantly reading, and I've always been that way. Just books, 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 more books online talking to people, get a lot of information from just people, you know, I'm like, Hey, well, how do you do this? What's that? So we're like a lot of people watch entertainment, like a television show. I've never been that guy. I just don't get into it. I would rather watch a Ted talk on, you know, something crazy about how the brain does this or how, where I'm learning something than, than anything. One of the only shows I've ever watched is uh, like dual survivor because I feel like I'm learning like the survival things, you know? Yeah. But in, in saying all that, it's just amazing to me how when you look at what the brain does, and I'm like, I'm not creative. So I was trying to think of like the intro to the show. I'm like, 
And all the, the voiceover people are like, well, you need to write the script. I'm like, I don't want to write the script. You write the script. And they're like, we don't write scripts. You know, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? So then I'm like, well, how? I'm like, man, I, I'm just, it's not creative. So I've, I get um, Brian and Little Chaser with me. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, we got to think of an intro for the show. Like, well, you know, they're not invested in the show. They could care less. They're like, uh, you know, throwing out like the most ridiculous things. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I said, you guys are zero help. I'm like, and, but in my brain, I'm like, and then I remember the next evening I'm walking in the door and I'm like, wait a minute. And boom, just hits me. The problem that I have is, is I don't write it down enough when it hits me. Yeah, you got to do that. You know what I mean? Because like, I'll it get is great fleeting. ideas. It's and then fleeting. It's, yeah. It is fleeting. And you can't, that's the, that's the downside of the subconscious mind is it does not retain. It'll give you the information, then it's gone. Right. And see, the problem is I always think it's so good, I'm not going to forget. Yeah, and you will. I had a, 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 something come to me two nights ago in my sleep. I'm like, oh, man, I have to use this for the show. I'm like, this is just, and I get into it myself, like in my brain. I'm like playing it back and forth, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's really good, man. That's going to be great to share. And I'm like, what was <laughs> that? Done. And then I'm like thinking, I'm like, what was it? And I just couldn't get it back. But now I've been writing down. I take a lot of notes, as you see. And I, yep. And that's one of the things all week long in my notepad on my phone. Every time something comes up, or even if I'm in bed, I'm laying there, my brain's kind of turning. I'll type it in and just, you know, see if see how it goes and see if I get – yeah, uh, and then I'll sometimes I'll wake up I'm like, what was that? Because <laughs> even the the, the lead ins to it, you forget. Exactly. Yeah, you, know? you got to flesh it out enough to where you can revisit it and know what you were talking about. You know, and I know th- whoever's listening, they're like, they're like, well, how can I apply that to what I'm doing? I, mean, I, I I don't know, but I'm sure there's some way you can. You know, and another way that th- when people ask me how you're doing, my my retort is always this: I'm I'm doing amazing, but I'm getting better. Right. Because you hear you're around people, you hear, you've heard them before. They just poor mouth themselves. They talk about how bad they feel, how tough everything. Well, I'm getting by, yeah. you know, and all that. And they don't understand their subconscious is hearing those comments. It doesn't even understand. Yeah, negative self talk it. is terrible. It's terrible. You just can't do it. You got to walk a little faster. You got to talk a little faster. And you got to say nothing but positive affirmations over and over and over. And people will may think that you're a nutcase, but you'll be a successful nutcase. We had a sales trainer in uh, Atlanta, and he was the sales trainer for the whole group. And he would do these huge training classes for the new guys. And one of the things that he would always do is he would tell them that when you get out of bed in the morning, uh, you know, don't hit snooze. The first thing you do is jump up, and he would, like, clap his hands and say, uh, today is going to be a great day, you know, like as loud as you can. And so – one of his like little assignments was because the class was more than one day as long as a, he would say, you know, you guys better do that tonight. Uh, you know, today, I mean, when he's today is going to be a great, I mean, just, and he's guys so full of energy that I can't even impersonate him. I mean, he's not right. full of energy, <laughs> but, um, then once the class was done, when he would send them over to their stores, cause there's five stores. So he'd send them over. They had to come in and be like, do the clap and be like, today is going to be a great day. You knew they just came from Sherman's class. <laughs> <laughs> you knew. Yeah, you're they like, were oh, they were tagged. All right, one more quick thing on this. Yeah, with the same same subject. In order to keep your creative spark going, and you saying that reminded me for some reason. Uh, break your pattern. Don't if you ever feel like that you're in a routine, get out of it. Because a friend of mine used to say a routine is like a rut 
which is nothing but a grave with both both ends kicked out, right? Yeah. So if you drive to work a certain way every day, don't drive a different way. If you park in a certain parking spot every day, don't park in a different parking space. The way you, when you get in the shower, typically you go through the same routine, mix it up. Brush your teeth with your left hand instead of your right hand. Still use right? soap, though. Right. But mix it up, you know? Yeah. Have breakfast at night, you know? I mean, if you have your alarm clock set for 7 o'clock, make it for 6.55, and the next day, 7.05. I mean, you know, don't, don't get caught in that same, because your brain will get caught in that same pattern, and you'll just wind up being a monkey-see-monkey-do guy instead of actually coming up with new creative ideas. Right. So we've got uh, we've got a couple minutes left. I can't believe the time's almost up. It just flies by when it's you're crazy. Having fun. Yeah, but uh, if you had to give uh, someone listening, there's a, they're sitting there and they're saying because you work for yourself, a lot of people are scared to go out and to work for themselves. What's some advice that you would give on just taking the plunge or on taking that step, even if it's if maybe they're not going to quit today and do it, but like how do they move in that direction and how like what what advice would you give someone? In, in that position. There's a, a very successful comedian on the circuit right now, and not about three years ago, I guess, he was still doing comedy part-time. He worked in the, in the education system in Nashville. And he sat down with me after a show, and he said, man, Harv, I really want to do this full-time, man. I said, well, you know what you got to do. And he said, what? I said, you got to do it full-time. He said, you mean I got to quit my job? I said, yeah, you quit your job. When you've got... When you quit your job and then you've got 40 hours a week to take care of you, you'd be shocked how much you can get done. You know, anybody trying to part-time their way into a full-time gig, it's not going to happen, man. Right. Forget it. You just got to quit. And you're like, man, I don't, my boss pays my insurance. No, he doesn't. That's how much less he pays you. You need to find out what your insurance would cost you. You need to find out how, how you would make that happen. And then you start having some goals on, well, if I can find... and. and the other thing is to, is to find something that you love doing, whatever it is. If it's woodworking, if it's putting up drywall, if it's painting, if it's making ceramics, whatever it is you love doing, find out a way to do that. And there's no excuse anymore with the international market that we have with the Internet. There's right. no excuse. Used to when you lived in a little buttonhole town, you were like, there's no way that I can make any money here. There's no excuse now. You can make money globally now. Find something you love to do, do it well enough that somebody will pay you for it, and then you will be you will be totally happy. You know? You don't and the, and the don't good go news do is, something you hate. If you're doing something you hate every day, dude, really? Yeah. I mean, how is that so gonna you, turn out? Because Harvey works for himself too, if they want to get in touch with you for help for any of your media, your commercials, if they want to go to the comedy club, how can they get in touch with you? or check out your businesses? You can go to, it's just a kind of a front, like I say, I, I work with people I like working with, right? So I don't really push that a lot. Yeah. But uh, it is harveyandfriends.com, and there's a contact page on there, and I would love to talk to anybody, you know? And, you know, somebody who's looking to do something or has any questions or whatever, you know, or looking for some work, because I, I, I love doing work, right? But just just know that I that I'm doing it because I love doing it. I get paid for it. I get paid well for it. Yeah. But I love I love doing it. And I encourage anybody, you know, who's who has in the back of their mind, gee, I want to go do something for myself. Dude, just go do it. Quit putting it off. It ain't going. It you got to do it now. Well, I hope you'll come right? back sometime. Sure, man. I'll be it's happy been good to. Good having you here. Yeah. 
and and I learned how to be a broadcaster over the. So I'm an expert now. You are an expert <laughs> from the '80s. Yeah, from the '80s. <laughs> if you want to, if you miss the show or you're just now tuning in, you can catch us tomorrow on the replay from nine to eleven right here on ninety three one, or you can catch us on iTunes. You can listen on iPod, Spotify, or you can check us out on iHeartRadio. Just download the app. It's totally free, and you can listen all week long. So until this time, next time, keep it locked right here on 93.1 The Talk of Jackson. You've been listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to hear fresh new weekly episodes. For more, please visit Facebook.com slash The Chase Channel Show. That's Facebook.com slash The Chase Channel with two N's and two L's show. Until the same time, next time, keep it right here on 93.1 WTJS, The Chalk of Jackson. The Victory Honda Upgrade event is on, and now is the best time to trade in your vehicle at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. We need your trade and we'll pay you top dollar. Go to VictoryHondaJackson.com and click on the Honda Upgrade Program button to value your trade in seconds. Print it out, bring it in, and we'll give you 125% of that value guaranteed. That's right, get 125% of the book value for your trade-in. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 125% of the book value for your trade. Don't miss the best time to trade in your vehicle during the Victory Honda Upgrade event going on now at Victory Honda. With approved credits, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify, plus tax, title, license, and 499 dealer fee. 125% of Black Book wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to clean car facts report. Offer does not combine. See dealer for complete details. Offer ends 52318. You're listening to the Talk of Jackson. For the hottest shows in the Hub City, keep it locked right here on 93.1 WTJS.